0: Aloha! This is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Luke 2, 25-32 And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, You are letting your bondservant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light for revelation for the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. Susanna, thanks for doing our reading this morning. I invite you to pray with me as we prepare our hearts for the message this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would open our ears, that we might hear from you. That we might hear and we might obey. That we might influence the world around us for the glory of Christ. Lord, during this Christmas season, much of the world is Mentioning the word Christ in Christmas or talking about a baby Jesus, Lord, we pray that we can stir those conversations farther so they know him as Savior and Lord as well. Lord, may we celebrate well the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, and the future coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. Thank you for this opportunity to celebrate with the whole world our Lord Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us now and that we would be good listeners, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me words that are true and honor Christ, that we might become obedient children of our Lord. And we pray all these things in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. So two weeks ago, I told you that I had to get an official copy of my birth certificate and how I was surprised when I got it that it didn't actually list the city I was born in. It just had a vague reference to San Diego County, which is larger than Delaware and Rhode Island combined. And then I told you last week how I'd gotten my father's official birth certificate and was surprised to discover that on the line that said name, there was no name. It just said baby. Well, then I had to get my grandfather's birth certificate, and I was in for some prizes there. Well, it was difficult to get it because, first of all, I didn't know where he was born. I knew he was born in the country of Greece, but I didn't know where. And I didn't actually know my grandfather's name. <laughs> so I, had, I knew his last name, but I didn't know his first name. So with some sleuthing and some prayer and random good luck, I discovered that my grandfather's name was Constantino Alicentilakis, and he was born in the city of Vlissidià. Yeah, that's what I thought, you know? <laughs> you know. Yeah, what does that mean? Well, it turns out to be a very small little village um, in the southern peninsula of Greece, the uh, Peloponnese area in the mountains. And I visited that village, and and the two people who were still there greeted me warmly. You know, <laughs> there aren't many people that live in this village anymore. There's some goats and sheep and things like that. Um, but to get his birth certificate, I was told I had to write to the priest in the village. And that's because in these remote villages, it was only the priest who might be educated and be able to read and write and who would handle the records of the village. So I had to write a letter in Greek to this priest, and I don't write Greek, so I had a friend of mine who actually could write Greek to write this letter. And we sent a letter off requesting a birth certificate of my grandfather. And sometime later, we received a lined notebook paper, piece of paper document in blue ink, And it had stamps and seals on it, and this was to serve as the official birth certificate of my grandfather. And in it, it said that my grandfather was born in 1883. Uh, They didn't list the the month or the day, but 1883. And they went on to say that um, he left, we haven't seen him around, and he's bound to be dead by now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's the birth certificate. <laughs> well, I hope he was dead by then. I mean, I assume because it was 104 years after his birth that I was asking for his birth certificate, but I got it. And and uh, so I did some calculating. I I looked at some history things. I discovered my grandfather actually died in 1951, and I realized that would have made him hmm, 68 years when he died. And I was just thinking about that this, this week, and I go. That's how old I am. Yikes. <laughs> you know? um, but I never knew my Greek grandfather. Uh, he never bounced me on his knee. He never yelled at me in Greek, Eledo! which means come here. And you, that's what you yell at kids in Greece. And I'm guessing like most older people, he had looked forward to being a grandparent. I hope he looked forward to having a grandson to hold me, to bounce me on his knee, to, to, to feed me. Real Greek yogurt, and it's not real Greek yogurt unless it's made with sheep's milk, you know, and you put some honey on it, you know. And I'm sure he was wanting to teach me the Greek language, the language of heaven, or at least the New Testament. But he never got to do any of that. (laughs) He he died with those hopes unfulfilled. Now, today I want to talk about another man from a long ago who... Death was actually delayed so he could hold a certain baby boy. This man, in fact, is the only person in history that we know of that God told them, You will not die until you experience Christmas. The man's name is Simeon, and that's a Hebrew name, and Simeon means to hear. And we're going to see as we look at the story that that was a very appropriate name for Simeon to hear. We, we pick up the story in the Gospel of Luke, verse 25. Chapter 2, verse 25. And it says, And it had been revealed to him, that's Simeon, by the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, I went too far. Let's go to verse 25. Verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout looking for the consolation or comfort of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, the Scripture goes on and goes on to verse 35 and telling us about Simeon, and I notice that's four and a half inches of text. Not a lot of text about this man. And then I notice there's a half inch of text, one sentence that says a whole lot about him that says that he was an incredible man of God. And I'm wondering how long it takes for people to mention what an incredible woman or man of God you are. It didn't take long, just one sentence. And we're told about this man that he was righteous and devout. Righteous and devout. Righteous carries with it the idea of having a right standing before God. Right standing. And the Greek word there is a the Greek word, dikaios. And dikios, which means righteous, can be traced back to another word, and that word is thekneo, and thekneo means to expose to the eyes, to expose to the eyes. So that word righteous comes from a word traced back that means exposed to the eyes, and it reminds me of Hebrews chapter four, verse thirteen. The writer of Hebrews in chapter four. 13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom he must give account. Simeon was exposed. He was exposed to the eyes of God. He was righteous. He had a right standing before God. And that doesn't mean he was a perfect man, it doesn't mean he was a sinless man. What it means is he took his sins and his imperfections and his failures before God. And God forgave him and cleansed him. And he had a right standing before God. He was righteous. And when exposed to the eyes of God, God saw a clean slate. Well, how did he become a righteous man? Well, because he was righteous and devout. Devout. Devout comes from a Greek word, evlavis. And that word evlavis, which means devout, if you take it apart, it's made up of two Greek words that literally means taking hold well. Taking hold well. And so whatever you are holding tightly to is going to express itself in how you behave. And for Simeon, he was holding tightly to God, and that was expressed in his righteous behavior. If you look at your outline, we're going to look at four things today, and the first one, number one in your outline is this. Whatever you hold tightly to, whatever you're grasping, holding tightly to, will express itself in three ways in your life. It will express itself in the way you think, in your thoughts. It will express itself in your feelings, and it will express itself in your behavior because first you think it then you feel it and then you behave according to your thinking and your feeling whatever you're holding tightly to so some people perhaps you are holding tightly to fear of the future well if that's what you're holding on to we're going to see it in the way you behave because it's affecting the way you think if you're holding tightly to dissatisfaction with your present we're going to see that in the way you're behaving because it's affecting your thoughts and your feelings. And if you're holding tightly to the pain of your past, again, that's going to affect your thoughts, your feelings, and your behavior. Whatever you're devoted to, whatever you are holding tightly to, is going to affect how you behave. And so, Simeon was righteous because he was devoted to, he was holding tightly to God. And not only was he holding tightly to God, God was holding tightly to him. We saw in verse 25, it says, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Wouldn't it be a great thing for someone to describe you that way? Like, hey, what do you know about so-and-so? Well, one thing I know is the Holy Spirit is upon her. The Holy Spirit is upon him. I mean, that's amazing. Well, how do you know that? (laughs) Well, because of the way they think and the way they feel and the way they behave. They are righteous. They have a right standing before God. You see, neither you nor I nor Simeon have the power to actually live the Christian life, to be righteous on our own. We need help. And that's why Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit to help us live the right kind of life. If you've been here any time in this church, you've heard an acronym that we use, D-A-Y. Every day, D-A-Y, desire, ask, yield. It's how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to have Him empower you. You have to desire it. You have to want it. You want the Holy Spirit to fill you, to guide you. Is that something you desire? If you do, then ask Him and say, please, lead me, guide me, teach me, instruct me. And that asking involves perhaps forgiveness. Because if you haven't been desiring it, that's a sin. And so then you need to ask forgiveness. Forgive me for not listening to the Holy Spirit. So desire, ask, and then when he speaks to you, and that's still small voice, you have to decide if you're going to yield or not. And if you don't yield, that's a sin. You've got to go back and desire and ask, confess the sin, and start all over again. Desire, ask, yield. And how often do you have to do that? Well, all through the day, every day. Because you have the Spirit upon you. Notice how important the Holy Spirit was in Simeon's life. Three times in this short passage, it mentions the Holy Spirit in relationship to Simeon. As we saw in verse 25, it said, the Holy Spirit was upon him in verse 25. And then we come to verse 26. It had been revealed to him, how? By the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 27, and he came in the Spirit to the temple. He's someone who regularly had the Holy Spirit leading and guiding and revealing things to him. So, just who is this man, Simeon, that God, the Holy Spirit, would be speaking to him on a regular basis? He's you. He's me. In verse 25, it says, Behold, there was, did you notice? a man. It doesn't say the man. It doesn't say a Levite or a priest or a prophet or a scribe or a worker in the temple. It just says a man. He was an ordinary person, an ordinary man. There's no indication that he worked in the temple, that he went to the temple every day, that that was his regular thing to do. We're just told that the Holy Spirit told him, go to the temple. Go to church. And he had to choose how he was going to respond. He was just an ordinary person like you and like me. And yet, he talked with God. And God replied. Is that true of you? It can be. It should be. Which brings us to number two there on your outline. The first part of number two, God the Holy Spirit wants to reveal things to you. Do you believe that? God the Holy Spirit wants to reveal things to you. Jesus himself told us this when he promised that he himself would go to heaven and he would send us the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of John chapter 16, Jesus is talking about the fact that he's going to ascend into heaven after his resurrection, and he's going to send the Holy Spirit back. And he says in chapter 16, verse 7, But I tell you the truth. This is the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, that's the Holy Spirit, shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus in his physical body could only be one place at a time, and he says, it's to your advantage I send the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit can be with every single Christian on the planet. And he, the Holy Spirit, verse 8, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Then verse 13, verse 13, but when he, the Spirit of truth, and in the Greek it says the truth, comes he will guide you into all the truth don't you want to be guided into the truth there's so many people saying things that are untrue there are conspiracies there are lies there are falsehoods there are deceptions and God says I'm going to put I'm going to send God the Holy Spirit and put him inside of you so he will teach you the truth amen He will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what? What is to come. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you the future and tell you the future and tell you what you should do and what's going to happen and how to prepare, and he wants to be able to do that not in just special people, in every person, every single person. A man, a woman, a child. It's impossible to overemphasize how amazing this is. There's no other religious teaching that teaches us because no other religious teaching can provide this. God in you. And if you're thinking, well, Pastor, this sounds all good, but I've never heard from God. (laughs) Well, then I would say you're not listening very well. Because God has never stopped speaking. He's always speaking. Simeon's name, as I said, means to hear. And he had cultivated in his life the practice of hearing from God. And so should you, so should I. Number two, let's finish that point there, the blank to fill in. God the Holy Spirit wants to reveal things to you, so are you listening? Are you listening? What God told Simeon, apparently, he told no one else. It was a personal Christmas prophecy, only to Simeon, that you will not die until you experience the Christmas baby. Notice verse 26 of Luke 2. Verse 26, and it had been revealed to him how? By the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He heard the Holy Spirit tell him, you're not going to die until you experience Christmas. The birth of the Jewish Messiah, the Savior of the world. It was a personal Christmas prophecy. We learned something from... Both Simeon's example, but also from the teachings and promises of Jesus. And that's number three on your outline there. Number three, God has some very specific and personal things to say to you. God has some very specific and personal things to say to you. So are you listening? Now, I realize there are churches and Christians that go to harmful extremes on this. And they think they're hearing from God when they actually are just listening to their own sinful passions and making excuses, or they're being deceived by the world or by a false preacher or prophet or by the devil himself. But the fact that there are abuses to listening to God substantiates the fact there must be a truth about listening to God. And the Holy Spirit has some specific and personal things to say to you, and most of them he has already written down. I think in America we have become so accustomed to having the scriptures that we have forgotten how awesome it is to have God write down exactly what he wants us to do so we can go back and read it over and over again. And when you say, I don't understand it, he says, that's why I sent the Holy Spirit, the author, to live in you, to help you understand it. Ask him what it means and what it means to you. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. Pain is the megaphone to rouse a deaf world. If you're in pain today, I would suggest it might be that God is trying to get your attention. But enough about you. Let's get back to Simeon. You're familiar with the 17th century Dutch painter by the name of Rembrandt. That's his first name, by the way. You're going, I didn't know that. What, what's, what's his last name? It's so hard to pronounce, I'm thinking that's why none of us, unless you're Dutch, know his last name. <laughs> well, Rembrandt painted a series of paintings, and if you've ever seen a Rembrandt painting, you know it's dark and dismal and hard to see and needs more lighting. So this is a painting that Rembrandt did of Simeon and baby Jesus, and we had to Photoshop it so you could actually see it on the screen because it's, it's really dark. And Oddly enough, when Simeon was holding the baby Jesus, we know how old Jesus was. The Bible gives us an indication. He would have been 40 days old. Notice what it says in verse 22 of chapter 2. Verse 22, And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And then verse 27, it says, And he came in the Spirit in the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus, notice, to carry out for him the custom of the law. The custom of the law, the Jewish law, was that when the first male child was born, you had to come to the temple when he was 40 days old in order to offer an offering In commemoration of the first Passover, when God passed over the firstborn of the Jewish people who had blood on their doorposts, and so this child has been spared by the Lord, so you offer a sacrifice, and you were 40 days old. So Jesus was 40 days old, but how old was Simeon? Well, look again at Rembrandt's painting. You can tell. He was an old man. Wait for it. Wait for it. It's coming. There it is. Okay. He's an old man. But the text doesn't tell us he's an old man. Oh, later in the text, there's an old lady, Anna. She's 84 years old. And you figure, well, if there's an old lady, he must be an old man. But it doesn't tell us he's old. Of course, you have the indication that he's not going to die until he sees salvation. But does that mean he's old? It doesn't mean he's old. It just means he's ready to die at any time. 19th century. Anglican Bishop, Bishop J.C. Ryle says this about Simeon. He says, Simeon speaks like one for whom the grave has lost its terrors and the world has lost its charms. Well, how old do you have to be before the grave has lost its terrors and the world has lost its charms? (laughs) I didn't hear that, but you thought it was a good one. Any age, whenever you make Christ the Lord of your life, the fear of death is lost and the charms of the world have been dispelled. So Simeon could have been an old man. He could be grandfatherly. We like to think he was an old grandfather. But he could have been 22. We don't really know. We know that he was prepared to die because he had seen Jesus. That happened to me at 13. What age were you when you saw Jesus as Savior? Listen, if the first time you see Jesus is after you die, then you're going to see him as your judge, not your Savior. It's too late. You need to see Jesus as a Savior while you're still alive. Let's pick it up in verse 26. And it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit. He would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law. They took him. Then he took him. Simeon took Jesus into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, thou dost let thy bondservant depart in peace according to thy word. Why? Verse 30. Don't miss it. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. My Bible's in King James because it's like really old. What a tender and precious moment. An old grandfatherly old man, unless he was 22, (laughs) is holding the baby Jesus in his arms. Simeon has the distinction of being the only person in the entire Bible who we are explicitly told held the baby Jesus. 40 days earlier, there's nothing about the shepherds holding Jesus. The Magi, who came two or three years later and saw him as a child, there's nothing that indicates that they held him. Maybe they did, I don't know. We're not even told that Mary held baby Jesus, though obviously she did. This tenderest of moments of the baby Jesus being held was given to just a man. So why Simeon? Why not Simeon? And a better question, why not you? That's the fourth thing on your outline there. Why not you? Notice what it says in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. It's a promise to Jeremiah. I'd like to think it includes us, but it's directly to Jeremiah. It says, Jeremiah 33.3, three, call to me, God says, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. God spoke to Jeremiah mighty things. He spoke to Simeon mighty things. Why not you? Call out to him. Listen. And be blessed. Blessed. My grandfather never held me, never blessed me, never even saw me or knew I was born. That's not a tragedy. It's just the way things are. But imagine if my grandfather was alive when I was born and chose to ignore me, chose not to hold me, not to bless me. That would be somewhat of a tragedy. But imagine a greater tragedy of people ignoring the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hearing that he'd been born, hearing that he claims to be the Savior, but not wanting to have anything to do with him, the Savior of the world. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads. Close your eyes and think about that point for a moment. If you're watching online still, if you'd bow your heads. Have you been ignoring Jesus? You can ignore him all your life. But then you'll meet him as judge when you pass this life. Or you can proclaim him as Savior now. And spend eternity with him in heaven, in a perfect place, forgiven of all your sins. And you get to choose. If you're in this room or watching online and you've never invited Christ to come into your life, I urge you, I beg you to make that decision right now. You can make it in your heart. It's a transition between you and God, not you and me. But if you believe that Jesus died for your sins, that he wants to forgive you of everything, If you believe that he rose from the grave, he conquered death, and he wants to give you life eternal in a perfect place, and you've never accepted him, in this quiet moment in your heart, just cry out to him and say, Lord, I believe. Please save me. Christian, as we continue to pray, do you want to hear from God? If so, pray with me something like this. Lord, I, I want to hear from you. I ask you to fill me with your spirit. Help me to hear your voice and yield to what you tell me to do. Reveal great and mighty things to me. Lord, you've heard our prayers, you've answered our prayers, and we give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen.